You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you don't have because you don't ask God. And when you do ask God, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, conflict in the church. The simple outline of these handful of verses will be the cause of conflict in the church, the characteristics of the conflict in the church, and that's kind of where we're heading now. Of course, the condemnation and then the cure, but we're dealing with the characteristics. And we looked and we said for the characteristics that, number one, they had their unsatisfied pleasures. They couldn't have what they wanted. They wanted to have their way and they couldn't, so instead of being content, instead of going about it the proper way to receive, they got ugly and got in the flesh about it. So there was unsatisfied pleasures, and when you go about it the wrong way, it turns into uncontrolled passions, amen? Instead of crucifying that flesh and denying that old nature, you give into it. And instead of dying to the old man and walking in the spirit, you wind up doing things like the old you used to do things. And James says that's terrible because it's untapped potential. He says you could ask God. He's the giver of every good gift, amen? You could just ask God and do things God's way and he'll bless you. And But they said untapped potential. You're not praying. You're not using the resource you have in the Lord. And then that was, leads to unanswered prayer. But when they finally did decide to try God, their motives were so pure that it didn't work. You know, sometimes people want to try God. And then when it doesn't work, they think God's the problem. But you got to have your motives right, don't you? You got to do more than just show up and, you know, say, shed a tear. You got to get things in order. And that's what we're looking at, unanswered prayer, unanswered prayer. And we started that last time. And we said, let's pause here. Let's go a little deeper in this study. And let's look at some biblical guidelines, some biblical traits for getting prayers answered. If we're going to pray, let's be um, successful in our prayers. Amen? Let's go to the Bible and find out how can we pray and get answers. I, I want to get more answers. I don't want to just pray. Amen? I don't want to just say prayers. I don't want to just, you know, um, hyperventilate. I want to see the kingdom come. Amen? I want to see the answer arrive. And so that's what we decided to look at. We were looking at um, guidelines for getting our prayers answered. And we started this last week. And we started with, um, number one, when we pray, if we're going to be successful in our prayers, when we pray, we're to ask in faith. You'll see that throughout the word of God. If we're going to get an answer from God, God desires, God requires, God is moved by faith. Not by pity, not even by tears, but by faith. And we said when we talk about faith, we're going to break it up into two things, A and B, believing and persevering. If I'm going to pray in faith, two aspects of Bible faith, a faith that receives from God, there's a believing and there's a persevering. And we kind of studied that last week. We'll just review it quickly. We looked at James 1, 5 through 7. James 1, 5 through 7. And we, again, we looked, and the Bible says that if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously. He gives it to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. That's a pretty good promise. If you're lacking something, God says ask. One way we receive from God is asking God, because God's a generous God, and God's a willing God. But it says here, but, but, there's always a but, amen? There, there's, there's conditions to receiving from God. There's conditions from receiving from God. But when he asks, now God is telling us when we ask, the type of asking that gets answers and does more than just works our lungs. But when we ask, he must believe. He must what? Didn't say he must yell. Didn't say he must cry. Didn't say he must shake and fall over. He must 
believe. And Jesus said that if you ask, believe that you receive. Didn't he say that? And so again, when you ask, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed about. That man shouldn't think he'll get anything from the Lord. So here we find out faith that moves the heart of God, faith that sees answers come into your life, is faith that believes God is able, believes God's word is true, and believes that God is sovereign, he can do whatever he wants, right? We said faith in the person of God, faith in the power of God, and faith in the promises of God. And we see in this promise here that God is attracted to faith. But God is repulsed by unbelief and doubt. He says that person shouldn't think they'll receive anything from the Lord. God's real strict, isn't he? You and I, we get soft, we feel sorry for him. But God says, no, if you're doubting and you're wavering, you, can't, you won't receive. So he said, number one, and we, we looked at many other verses last week. When we pray, if we want to see some answers, we're to ask in faith, believing. But not just believing, believing and persevering. And we went to um, a bunch of verses. Let's go to Luke 11, verses 8 and 9. Luke 11, verses 8 and 9. And this is our review from last week. Jesus is telling a story about the importance of persistent, persevering prayer. And he said, a, a man came to a friend at midnight. The man didn't have any food to give him. So he went to another friend, rapping on the door, said, hey, listen, someone came to my house. Hospitality in the Middle East is very important. I've got nothing to give him. Loan me some bread so I can feed him. And the guy inside says, listen, we're in bed. My kids are in bed. The door's locked. Leave me alone. But he kept hammering away, hammering away. And Jesus said, now listen, just because, he didn't get up because he was his friend, but because of the guy's boldness and urgent persistence, he got up and gave him. And this is what we read. Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's a friend, not just because of relations, yet because of the man's boldness or his persistent urgency and perseverance. He kept coming. He kept knocking. All right, because of the man's boldness persistence he will get up i like that he will get up if we keep hammering god will get up if we keep asking god will answer if we keep knocking the door will come open he will get up and give him as much as he needs jesus told that parable and then boom the next verse jesus connects it with so i say to you do you understand what that story do you understand the story jesus says verse nine i'm going to give you what the story means so i say to you ask and it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And we know in the Greek that word is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So again, we ask ourselves, I want to pray and see answers. There are certain people you go to when you have problems. Other people, we'll leave it at that. Amen? But there are certain people you know they know how to get a hold of God. Amen? And when you've got a track record and there's fruit to your prayer life, you know, people come and ask you to pray for them. Well, those are people that have faith. They know God can do anything. They know God's a willing God. God's a powerful God. They know their Bible so they can stand on the promises of God. Amen? But they're also tenacious people. You show me someone that gets answers to prayer, I'll show you a man or woman that's tenacious in the things of God. They don't just pray, you know, oh, maybe it wasn't God's will. Forget it. They'll close the door, they'll turn off the idiot box, and they will meet with God. They will cry out, they'll bawl and squall, they'll fight devils, they'll press the hem of his garment, amen? Because there is a, and we ask ourselves, and this is where we left off last time, 
Why is perseverance so important? One of the reasons perseverance is so important, this is where we get to the new stuff, is because there is an unseen war, an invisible enemy that we're fighting. And uh, we left it there, and this is where we begin. We want to keep, along with that thought of why persevering is so important, we want to explain this. We want to, there's a real spiritual opposition to your life and to my life. There's a real spiritual opposition that tries to hinder the will of God from being done in the earth. Let's be honest. The will of God's not being done in the earth in most places. There's opposition to that, isn't there? So, so again, there's real spiritual opposition. Hence, persistent, persevering prayer is so important. You see, God has given you and I weapons, authority, instruction, through the cross, victory, but we still have to do the praying, amen? We still have to put to work what God has given us. And some people don't understand this. We're in a real spiritual war. That's why perseverance and prayer is so important because there is a real enemy that's trying to keep you from your healing or keep that soul from getting saved or keep that marriage from getting healed. We're in a real spiritual war, a spiritual power and influence is behind things. Let's look at a few verses again. We could study this. You know, you can go to college, and there's a whole class called angelology. You can, you can take 16 weeks, three lectures a week on angelology. So there's a lot you can study about demons and spirits. But let's just look at, very quickly, go to Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 12. Ephesians 6. This again, why, why is perseverance so important? See, that's why we say it a lot, but listen, the lazy get nowhere in the kingdom of God. The lazy, the spiritual lazy get nowhere in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? Too lazy to get up and come to church. Too lazy to develop a, a devotional time of your own. Too la lazy. The Bible says that he's a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. How? Di there's a diligence. There's an earnestness. There's sincerity, a seriousness. Amen? You can't get the riches of God with no effort. Oh, my, 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 my. So here again, there is an opposition that hinders us. And if we're not willing to fight it out, if we're not willing to hang in there until breakthrough comes, we're not going to get a lot of answers. Because unfortunately, a lot of answers don't come. Boom. We love it when they do. And there's a time we pray and we know it's there. Amen. You just witness in the spirit. It's there. It's over. Go ahead and shout the shout. But very often, you know that's not the case. You're praying years for some people to get saved. You're praying years for certain things to finally break. Again, spiritual opposition is one of the most important reasons why we have to persevere and be people of persistent endurance in our prayers. Paul writes, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Isn't that good news? That you don't got to be strong in your strength but in his. You don't have to rely on your power, but you can have God's power. Amen? I mean, you look at the things you face, you look at the problems you have to deal with, and it can overwhelm us in our natural man, can it not? It can intimidate us in our natural man, but thank God I'm not fighting it in my natural man. I'm fighting the battle in the power of the Spirit. Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The enemy has a scheme. And one of his schemes, real easy, is this. He just wears out most believers. Because most believers won't persevere. You know that, right? You know when you see a new person get saved, 
We're praying when they're babes, we're giving them the extra TLC, but you want them to get their legs. They're like Bambi. Remember Bambi on the ice? He's falling, he's falling down. And we're praying, Lord, we got to get them some fortitude, right? That's why Brother Torres is calling them and running after them and all, you know, the minister, you call the office, send them cards. You're trying to get them strong. Because if they don't persevere long enough, they'll get strong enough to stand. They'll die. And many don't make it because they don't persevere. God says, you put on the whole armor so you can stand against the devil's schemes. And one of his schemes just outlast you. Make up your mind, I'm going to outlast you, devil. Amen? If anybody's going to get worn out, a Jew. Amen? I'm walking in the power of God, and that power don't get, run and not grow weary. So here we go. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now here's our thought, verse 12. Paul says, here, here, here's, here's one of the reasons why. For our struggle, your struggle, your battle, your conflict, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, against the what? Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You're not just fighting against your mother-in-law. There's a spirit, man. You're not just fighting against that grumbly boss. There's a spirit. And if we don't recognize that, we try to fight with carnal weapons, thinking it's just a carnal problem. But doesn't the Bible teach us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not earthly, but they are mighty through God. This is a spiritual battle, and God's given us spiritual weapons. But one of the biggest things you have to do is persevere and endure. Because one of the devil's biggest tactics is just to wear you out. So many people quit so easy. One bad experience, they quit. One try, it meant they quit. One they pray and they don't see an answer overnight. They quit. But perseverance is throughout the word of God. And one of the reasons we have to be a people of persevering prayer is because there is a spiritual opposition. It's that devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Give you one example of what the devil tries to do. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. And, and Paul says, you know, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Spiritual battle, isn't it? We're wondering, why don't they see? Why don't they see? But the devil has them blind. And he's trying to keep them from understanding. And our prayers combat that. Amen? Uh, when we, we share, lovingly share the word, it begins to deal with that. But there's a spiritual battle out there. That's why people just aren't flocking. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of God who is the image of God. So again, there's one of the... Why is it so important that we persevere in prayer because there's a real spiritual opposition. Again, Ephesians 6, it teaches us the spiritual battles going on in this world and in the spiritual realms, and we're part of it. When Paul says, put on armor of God, take your stand, he's telling us we're part of the spiritual battle. It's not just something that we have nothing to do with. It's affecting our lives and our families, so we've got to understand it so we can properly deal with it and overcome it. And again... Important point, the real battle isn't against the human foes, human beings, but against spiritual powers, spiritual powers. We have to understand that so we can persevere until the answer comes. And again, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, Satan blinds the minds of lost sinners. That's just one of the reasons, that's one example the Bible gives us of the spiritual. Now, let's look, if you would, I'm going to read Daniel 10. Go to Daniel 10. I want you to look at one of the glimpses the Bible gives us of this invisible war. And we're going to read a bunch of verses because some of you might not be familiar with the story 
and it kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's graphic here. It gives us a lot of pictures. But it's given us a glimpse. It's almost like God is pulling back the veil and allowing us a glimpse into the supernatural, okay? But, so I want, but what's going on here in Daniel is going on here in Durant. It's going on all, all over the world. It's given us a glimpse. Like, for, for example, you remember the one time the prophet, the prophet's servant came back and said, we're surrounded. And Elisha said, more with us than them. And the guy said, I don't see anything. It was all he could see in the natural. Then the prophet's father opened his eyes so he might see. And when he could see, all of a sudden he got a glimpse into the supernatural. And there's chariots, fire all around the city protecting God's servant. So see, these things are going on constantly. We just don't see them in the natural. But the Bible has given us enough examples so we recognize there's a real spiritual war going on out there. So that's one of the greatest reasons we got to pray and keep on praying. We can't give up. we got to stand on God's word. we got to pray in the Holy Ghost. we got to pray with intercessions. we got to pray with fastings. And we got to endure until we see answers come. But let's look at Daniel, the 10th chapter, and let me find it. We're going to read a little bit. I want you to see this story. And it's really um, an interesting story, the book of Daniel. Let's start, if you would, with verse, what do I got you? Verse number 2, Daniel, the 10th chapter. Verse number 2, a glimpse into the invisible war and a reason we must persevere in prayer. Daniel 10, verse 2. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, three weeks, fasting, praying, mourning, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Now, verse 4, Daniel 10, verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold all around his waist. His body was like crystallite, his face like lightning. His eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, verse 7, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Verse 10, a hand touched me, set me trembling on my hands and knees. Verse 11, he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Three weeks ago, God heard his cry. God heard his prayer the first time, moment he prayed it. <laughs> What's taking you so long? Well, here we go. And I have come in response to that. Here's the reason why there's such a delay. Verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days an evil spirit a principality a spiritual power over the persian kingdom was holding back the answer from coming down but the prince of the persian kingdom resisted me 21 days then michael one of the chief princes came to help me 
because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Wow. One more verse. Here we go. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns of time yet to come. We'll note here, apparently this demon exercising influence, the prince of Persia, a demonic power exercising great influence over the Persian realm in interest of Satan. His resistance was finally overcome by the archangel Michael, the great prince who protects the people of God. Let's explain this a little bit more. Giving us a glimpse, there's a real spiritual warfare that goes on. That's why we can't be a spiritual lazy people. We got to be a spiritual, serious, and diligent people. When we have something worth praying about, we need to pray and mean business. Isn't that right? If anything's worth anything, it's worth giving a quality effort. And you have to do that in prayer. So let's, let me just read you some notes here. Daniel's conversation with the angel reveals to us the important fact that we're in an, invis- we're in an invisible war. This is not just something. We're in an invisible war. Remember how um, Paul wrote, put on the whole armor of God so we can take our stand against the devil's foes. We wrestle not against. See, we're, we're part of this invisible war. We might not see it all the time. But the Bible says we're in this war. That's why it matters what we do. That's why it matters how we seek after God and give ourselves to God. But here we go. We're in an invisible war going on in the heavenlies between the forces of evil and the forces of God. For three weeks, Daniel had been praying for wisdom to understand the vision that he had seen. But the answer to the prayer was delayed. Now, why would the Lord not immediately answer the petition of his beloved prophet. I mean, Daniel's one of his favorites. Beloved. Over and over, dearly loved. Daniel was a man of God and then some. So why would the Lord not immediately answer his prayers? Because the prince of the kingdom of Persia, an evil angel, an evil demonic power and spirit, had attacked the angel that was bringing the answer. Most likely Gabriel. This evil angel was assigned to see that the kingdom of Persia and the natural did what Satan wanted them to do, influenced them towards wickedness. But there was a demonic spirit resisting the angel from heaven that was bringing the answer. Demonic spirits try to hold back the will of God from being done in the earth. Forces of evil, and they're stronger in different places. And you can go certain places, and you know they're given over, those areas are given over more to Satan. And you can sense the spiritual wickedness. You can sense the spiritual oppression. As opposed to places where the terminology is often used, there's an open heaven where the people of God have prayed through, and righteousness has been exalted. And it's a place of prayer and continued intercession where there's a greater freedom in the spirit. Amen? And there's a greater flowing of the spirit. All right, let me look here. Well-meaning, I'm going to quote a little bit of Wearsby here. Well-meaning people may scoff at the idea of demonic forces, of good and evil angels, and they might even characterize or caricature Satan. But the fact remains is biblical theology. When Lucifer rebelled against God and was judged, some of the angels fell with him and became that host of demonic evil angels that oppose Christ and obey Satan and carry out the will of Uh, of Satan. According to Ephesians 6 that we read earlier, Satan actually has a a well-organized army of evil spirits that obey his command. There's principalities, powers, dominions, there's different levels of authority and structure. 
Now, we know that through the cross, Christ defeated him, but the battle still rages for now. And we're part of that battle. We're part of that battle. You see, the believer's responsibility is to put on the whole armor of God and by faith use the word of God and believing prayer to oppose and defeat the evil one. In fact, it even if we look at this, we study Daniel a little bit more, it even appears that there are specific evil angels assigned to various nations. You can, you can drive through certain areas and go through certain places where there's wickedness, and you can sense that heaviness, and you can sense that, that, you can sense that demonic. And it's, um, again, students of angelology call them territorial spirits, certain spirits that rule over certain territories. People that go on the mission field, again, most nations haven't enjoyed Christianity for a thousand years or so. Um, many of them have been, been worshiping demons for, for, since the beginning of time. And you can sense the greater oppression. You can sense the heaviness there. And again, it's a spiritual battle. Again, these, this is why it's so important that we pray. And we pray, we're serious when we pray. You see, some people that don't know their Bibles, that are ignorant to the ways of God, they look at someone praying their heart out, and they like, sometimes they mock that. Sometimes they laugh at that. They're just emotional. No, no, they're just being biblical. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, this is serious stuff. People are going to go to heaven or hell depending on what we do as carrying out the spiritual warfare. A lot of things Daniel could have stopped on day five and said, enough is enough. I'm hungry. I want to eat. He could have stopped the day seven and said, maybe God doesn't want to give me an answer. But he continued to pray. And, continue. and he noticed Daniel, at the end, he's exhausted at the end. You can't get spiritual riches if you're not willing to give of yourself. Daniel's so exhausted by fasting and praying and dealing with the fight in this warfare, that angel's got to help, help him up. When you're serious about the things of God, it'll, it'll take something out of you. It'll, it'll take something out of you when you're serious about the things of God. Again, you can't be lazy. You see what I mean? You've you got to want it. You've got to lock that door, talk, close that plate, pray, believe God, stand on that word. It's a warfare, folks. It's a warfare. Let's look here. Okay. Very quickly, very quickly, the problems the Jewish remnant were having in Jerusalem at that time weren't being caused by the local officials, but by Satan's evil powers using those officials. But we see how through that prayer. Again, let me just finish this up here. That's why Paul told the Ephesian believers that the Christian battle is not against flesh and blood, but against those demonic forces in the heavenlies that oppose the will of God. And again, Christians, and we'll just say this, most of us here should know this, Christians are never ever to worship angels, never ever to pray to angels. Our worship and our prayer belongs to God. We pray to God the Father through Jesus, amen? But when we pray, God directs, dispatches the armies of heaven to fight on our behalf. And even though we may know nothing about the battles that are being waged in this invisible war, it's happening. Again, think of Elisha. You, you think of the Old Testament kings where they cried out to God. They didn't command angels. They weren't rebuking demons. They prayed to God. And God sent an angel, wiped out 185,000 of the enemy soldiers in one night. Amen? So we're praying to God. Oh, God, but as he hears our prayers, he releases. You see. But there's a spiritual war going on. And these verses show us that. And that's why we have to, it's a real battle that's going on. And if we're going to see victory, we got to do our part. So we got to believe and we got to persevere. Those are two things. 
Without those, well, you'll never see it. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? And he that endureth to the end, that one's getting saved. Believing and persevering. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, we'll close it. We'll close it there. We must pray in faith, believing, and persevering. Next week, if we want to pray successfully, next week we're going to look at we must pray in Jesus' name. Jesus will be praying. Jesus, you pray in my name. Yes, the Father in my name. And he'll give it to you. We're going to look at that next week. We must pray in Jesus' name. And then chances are we'll start going into we must pray according to God's will. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. Amen? He's not just, a, you know, a Santa Claus. i got to pray according to his will. And, and there's a lot we're going to look at there. Because some things are easy to know God's will, aren't they? But there's some things it's not always easy to know God's will, is it? Paul prayed one time and God said, no, there's a reason for that. It's going to stay with you. Sometimes God has a higher purpose for things that we don't understand. Amen? Other times, you know what? You might have a good desire in your heart. David did one time. And God said, no, son, you're not the one to build the temple. So we can even have a good desire. And God said, no, you're not the one. Sometimes we can pray, God, remove this. And God says, there's a higher purpose for it. You don't see it. Just, it's going to stay. But I'll give you grace to get through it. See, there's something about praying the will of God. The black and whites are easy. Amen? But there's other things. Paul was all fired up, this great apostle, to go preach the gospel, and Jesus himself shut the door. Not the devil, Jesus shut the door. Imagine that. Lord, I'm trying to obey you. Call me to preach to Gentiles. I'm trying to preach to them. Why are you shutting the door for? Isn't it your will that they hear the gospel? Of course it is. Just not the time, Paul. Not the time. He got there later on. So many things. We're going to talk about that. So next week we'll talk about if we're going to pray effectively. We need to pray in Jesus' name. Prayers that would glorify Jesus, be in line with the heart of Jesus and the character of Jesus. Then we have to pray according to God's will. But when I know God's will, that really releases my faith. Amen? Because you know it's then you, you're just expectation. Amen. We pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the power of prayer.